Oh no, there's another squad attacking. Welcome to the third party in Apex Legends podcast hosted by myself, Shay, and joined as always by my co-host, Henry. Henry, how's it going today? It's going well. This is uh, the epitome of hype, honestly. Like in terms of legends that we're talking about, this is this is it. Yeah, I mean, today we are breaking down in our latest edition of Mastering the Legends, a classic segment, Ash, as Henry mentioned, hyped for a long time. For anyone that's uh, been a fan of the Apex universe and lore for a long time, Ash has been around for a while in the Titanfall games, and she's finally having her chance to shine outside of announcing arenas. Before we dive into it, though, we want to make sure you join our Discord to chat Apex, find teammates, and receive third-party updates. Link for that is in the description below. If you're enjoying the third-party podcast and want more, please consider joining our Patreon community. We play with our patrons, have an entire library of bonus episodes that are available, and each month do a discussion podcast with every single patron. So it'd be great to have you and really appreciate all of our patron support. They are the best. It means a lot. Keep the lights on over here. So light light kept on yep (laughs) let's do it though let's dive into mastering the legends ash edition and this is early for anyone that is uh coming to the show for the first time ash is a legend that is brand new this season and normally with new legends like this we wait two-ish weeks to do mastering the legends so we can get our hands on them play a ton and have time to kind of think about ideas and such uh, with Ash, though, this episode's coming early because we got our hands on her early. We were able to play her in the early access preview event. Thank you, EA. Thank you, Respawn. And so we're going to be chatting about her today instead of in two weeks. Uh, and normally we have one person take the lead on Mastering Legends. So we have like one person dive into one legend during the season, one person another. But because of how this episode kind of came out, we're going to tag team this a little bit go back and forth we both played her a ton so we're both in the mastering camp uh this time around so we'll be going back and forth a little bit but are you excited to talk about ash today i'm really excited i mean this is a character that we've known for many 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 years at this point Mm -hmm. and from an apex standpoint this is a character that has been hyped and in the game rumored for a year and a half so it's like The anticipation is finally over. Ash is here, ready to play, Mm -hmm. and couldn't be more excited to get the chance and be able to share a little bit about where we think she shines. Totally. Uh, Let's get into some history, though. Some backstory coming from the Apex Legends website. Ash is classified as an incisive instigator. So born in the unforgiving frontier, Dr. Ashley Reed, still very much a human, learned early that the only person who was going to look out for her was herself. One day she was hired by a mercenary group for a delicate job, steel and experimental fuel source being researched in the outland city of Olympus. It was the perfect job for Reed, who infiltrated and psychologically manipulated the researchers for years. When the lab self-destructed, she died and didn't. Her brain was put in a simulacrum shell, but in the process, she lost years of memories and the trauma of her death caused her personality to fracture. Ash is the embodiment of cold, perfectionistic, power-hungry side of Dr. Reed. But behind that confident facade and something sinister is simmering. 
after an encounter with Horizon that overrides Ash's simulacrum programming, the framework that kept the vulnerable yet intelligent Lei personality dormant has begun to crack. Ash joins the games to prove she has transcended all humanity. Lei determined to prove her wrong. Dun, dun, dun. Interesting backstory and cool yeah. on this introduction. Like what we heard from the lead writer on Ash was that all simulacrums are different. Ash's head is in her body versus Revenant is more of the experimental one whose head is outside and using different bodies each and every time. So that's theoretically how she survived. Spoiler alert, Titanfall 2. I don't know what to, I mean. I guess if you haven't by now, like, come on, guys, because uh, the head wasn't crushed. That's that's yeah. kind of the explanation they've given us. And so if you're a Titanfall fan wondering how Ash even made it to the arenas in the first place, that is the reasoning now officially. <laughs> Yeah, I think that the explanation for her backstory and how she's entered the games makes a lot of sense, um, which I think is important that we really tied that up. Um, previous Legends, it's been a little bit tough. You know, Rampart getting a card from Blitz because her mm-hmm. shop got burned down, but we know that she fought in underground fights, potentially the arenas before. You know, you had to read into it a little bit more. I think we have a lot more pieces with Ash, which totally. I certainly appreciate. It's really nice for that. I agree for sure. Outside of just getting into her abilities, though, gotta say, Ash has the best melee in the game. You noticed it right off the bat. You hit melee, you don't see it yourself as the person, but you're swinging with a sword half the time. It's legit terrifying to get struck down by her. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. I'm shocked that they added into the game, but it is heirloom style incredible melee interactions Mm -hmm. like it is definitely cooler than cool yeah ash we also gotta say has some fantastic skins we've had legends get introduced where we weren't the biggest fans but ash definitely definitely is looking good do you have a favorite off top of your head i don't i'm not the huge skin guy but i can say that i think ash has the best emotes and the best finishers out of any legend they are just Mm -hmm. so brutal and perfect to her personality and her like style really really think that they nailed it on those fronts yeah they nailed her character all around she is you know we did the episode a while ago like ranking the character's power by lore ash x titan or x pilot she is potentially the most powerful character in lore we kind of saw it in the gameplay trailer of her just going through everyone really like yeah like they were butter just cutting through them and yeah they kind of like you said iterated that in those emotes and finishers like she's brutal nothing to mess around with cutthroat cold-hearted i guess she doesn't really have a heart so that does make some sense that's right so let's dive into the passive first i'm gonna go passive then henry's gonna take the tactical and i'll wrap us up with the ult that's kind of the game plan for today before we get into some fun kind of ash versus wraith conversation which we think will be good for people uh but this passive is perhaps one of the most powerful but overlooked abilities since the survey beacon was introduced and this is very much up for debate i think but uh, we want to say this because we want to iterate how strong recon can be in apex legends and how strong it can be in rank specifically so it's something to keep your eyes on because we could see this ability being one that is not used by a lot of people not a huge part of what people will tell you to do while you're playing ash because she's like they said an instigator but she can also use this to be incredibly effective at doing some other tools and so that's really exciting but the passive is marked for death 
Ash's map shows the location of recent death boxes. You can press H or down on the D-pad on a death box to mark surviving attackers once per box. The location of the attackers are then marked on the map with an enemy here ping for approximately-ish eight seconds. We're doing this early, so we don't have like the hard, hard numbers yet, but approximately eight seconds. For approximately four seconds, then, Ash is told the number of revealed enemies. Those enemies are then notified in the position revealed by Ash on their HUD, kind of similar to a crypto drone and the Bloodhound scan, Seer, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the range on this passive is, in theory, infinite. And so the question becomes, how do you use this? How do you get the most out of it? So when you're searching around the map, you follow up on a recent fight that your team did not engage in. That's key because from our understanding so far, you cannot use this ability on enemies that you have killed yourself. It has to be on enemies that were killed by other enemies. I feel like this sounds horrible, but you know, it's, it's all true. Good. It's true. Um, and so you can use the ability then to identify the general direction in which people are going. So in that same vein, understanding that the power of this ability is truly packed into the minimap is key. You get little skull flashes in the top left on your minimap when players die. And so you can see that as a notification to then go in and expand your minimap to actually zero in on where that is on the map. So there's no pinging of that effectively for your teammates to see. So what that means is you need to be very communicative via voice chat or typing if you're a savage on pc that can do both i'm not and that's going to be key kind of like how we said a long time ago crypto was in that you could ping banners but nothing would happen you had to relay how many squads were in the area that's the same kind of thing we see this best used as a heat map in practice to you can stay in your mini map you kind of need to zoom in on the pois and areas to see the actual boxes to know where they've been fighting but you can use this information to avoid fights or see where the flow of combat may be leading and a really nice practice in that is using it to avoid fights in ranked when you want to get top tier placement especially if you're playing with a watson or something where you want to get them to the end game you can attempt to use this to chase people down well think about it for a second if you're moving long distances just to find the death boxes of where the enemies are, the odds are is that your enemies are moving as well, unless they're very slow looters. So if you notice that, hey, there's a death box here a minute and a half ago, odds are by the time you get there, if you're kind of far out, they're not going to be there. So understanding that balance of when to use it to actually go push and find the enemy versus a, hey, let's use this to then go tag another box see if the enemies are still somewhat near and use it to kind of chase people down versus just that heat map kind of avoidance factor because it's pretty cool that you get to have intel throughout the entire map um in our experience though the first impressions are that when you use this ability enemies were either so close that it did not matter that you used the ability you could still hear gunshots you could see them or they were so far that it just wasn't really worth the time. And so you didn't really get enough information to go follow up on them. But really with this passive, spending a lot of time in your map is how you're going to get value out of this ability. To find enemies, avoid enemies, use it however you like. It can be used in both those manners, more so effectively to probably avoid enemies. Um, I know a lot of people are concerned about the banner camping, You know, making banners a little bit more difficult to recover. We kind of were 
worried about that as well. But with the practicality of the passive not being used on your own death boxes that you kill, this isn't something we're super worried about anymore. Banner camping is just going to be banner camping. So the question, is this ranked passive a game changer? I'm asking you the question. What are your first impressions on this ability? Do you think this is one that will incorporate its way into comps in the future? Yeah, I, I think that in theory, it's really, really cool to have a mm-hmm. entire map visibility or intelligence on where fights are taking place and who are winning those fights. You're easily able to identify where the hot spots are, that kind yeah. of heat map idea. Um, that's on paper really, really cool. Um, in terms of just being able to plan your rotations, make sure that you're gonna stay safe, know where the loot is, see like where the end game is really gonna be and what direction teams are coming from based off who survived. But it's the practicality of unlocking that potential information mm-hmm. that I think holds us back from saying this is a major game changer or even being a necessity in ranked. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the fact that you can only use it when coming into a fight is a little bit of a, a downside, but potentially is a balancing tool to make it more mm-hmm. fair. Um, and then being able to communicate the information to your team is really what Apex is all about. And I think prides itself on with Ash, it's a lot, lot more difficult. Um, you can open up your mini map into the full screen, zoom mm-hmm. into a POI in order to identify a death box, and then you can see how many seconds ago that death box was created um, mm-hmm. and you can ping it. That's kind of cool. You can indicate kind of where we're going, what is there, um, but getting that all quickly and efficiently so that everybody actually understands what you're trying to tell them pretty hard in practice. Yeah. It's a difficult ability to use in that the UI is not fully built out for it. You don't get to tell people via pings how far away or how long ago these deaths happened, which is probably one of, if not the most important part of this ability. So you need to relay that information some other way to your team. And that's hard for a lot of people that you know don't play on comms and rely on the ping system. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we've talked about this ability kind of being like a recon ability essentially, but Ash is an assault legend. And that's kind of an interesting thing. We've got some questions like, will it be looked at soon for and buff? a buff in the future as to be like more of a reveal in the crypto or Valk with more of an on-screen indicator rather than just the minimap ping. I think it's interesting. She's not soaring to the top of the pick rate charts on day one, so she's definitely not going to be... I don't think she's flitting to that oppressive part of the game as some may say Seer was uh, early on. So I think this, this passive seems to be a part of her kit. Whether it is a major part of her kit is yet to be seen. But I do believe there is power in using it as a recon. And we'll get into team comps later. But unfortunately, her ability to not have a beacon makes it so she doesn't fully replace recon legends and that she's still in the assault class. So yeah, there's balancing in that way as well. And we'll get more into that, the kind of tension between where does Ash fit. But I think that just that interface is really, really tough. But you have to keep in mind that this is a thin line that the designers are walking here. Mm-hmm. How can you give essentially free intelligence yeah. to a legend? You don't have to activate a drone. You don't have to use your tactical. This mm-hmm. is passive recon. How do you do that where it's fair? Where 
you're a squad running up and mm-hmm. you get revealed and now there's wall hacks on you mm-hmm. enemy didn't have to do anything but stand 50 meters away and hit a death box you know mm-hmm. no cooldown mm-hmm. on it you can use it once per box is that fair right now maybe it's in the most fair state it can be but i think the question remains is it enough to use is it enough to make a significant impact on her kit and in my eyes, I think the fact that the indicator is only an enemy ping on the minimap is a major downside because mm-hmm. it's overspammed already. People spam enemies yeah. everywhere mm-hmm. they look. It's mm-hmm. the most used ping. So just kind of adding to that noise with a passive that's in theory supposed to be pretty valuable, mm-hmm. I think dilutes a lot of the communication effectiveness. Yeah, I think that's it's all very, very fair stuff. And uh Makes it hard to have this be the uh, staple of her kit per se that I think we thought it, it very well could it be. Could have. Yeah, and so, and maybe there's room for people to figure out really awesome ways to put it into practice. But it's already one where you feel like you're at a disadvantage if you're playing with randoms and you're kind of using this passive per se. So and that's that's always a disappointment. Yeah, for sure. Next up, the tactical. This is arc snare. And what it is, is you throw a spinning snare that damages and tethers the first enemy that gets too close. It's a 25 second cooldown. And unlike other projectiles, the trajectory is a straight line, but travel is really, really slow. The radius for the actual stun tether is about four meters. Put that into the closest perspective Revenant silence is about three meters, so a little bit larger than that area of effect. Now, the first enemy to enter takes 10 damage and is snared for about three seconds, and then the damage is doubled to 20 damage if it's a direct hit. And then the actual snare, if it lands on the ground, will last for seven seconds if there's no Targaryen enemy caught in the trap. But let's talk about that stun and that snare three seconds mm-hmm. that's serious that's a serious amount of time you think about the average time to kill in the game is about a mm-hmm. second being able to take away movement and pin somebody down to a location for that long is pretty dang powerful we got we're getting close to that um with horizons ultimate now we have something a bit similar in a tactical that is maybe more precise it's already felt like overwhelming at times on both sides like i've been killed stuck in a snare where i felt like i couldn't do anything and i've felt like as ash i've nailed people or set my teammates up to just destroy people so far with the snare like you said with that combined time to kill in the game it's a pretty dang cool ability and yes the slow travel speed the straight line travel makes it easy to avoid if not used correctly and so that is in part the balancing but when hit it's effective and that's kind of cool so it's definitely has the power and it's probably easier to hit than a rev silence in comparison because of that trajectory and such so i think it's an interesting comparison in terms of how they kind of shut down enemies in different ways uh but i'm interested to see how people continue to compare the two in the future yeah for sure i think that with this ability this tactical it all comes down to the effective range you know Mm -hmm. you can from pretty far away use a revenant silence to pin down a door you're not going to be using this arc snare in that sense you know you're going to be using it 
when you have eyes on, you're trying to beam somebody and you know hold them down. And so the use case is very, very specific if you ask mm -hmm. me, but the result or the reward from hitting this and actually being locked in as Ash and her teammates is very, very, very high. Big reward for actually hitting this tactical. Totally. Talk to me about what it does to specific legends and their abilities, because I think that's one of the interesting things that we discovered early on in the playtesting. Yeah. So caustic gas will slow you, but there are mm -hmm. some counters to that. Similarly, there are some counters, um, but also some not so great counters to the Ash Tactical. First one being Valk cannot fly away from this tether. Her jetpack mm -hmm. is not strong enough. Octane cannot stem out of this tactical. Now, it's not super uh, impactful versus Horizon because she can use her tactical and it'll pull off the tether right away. Theoretically, it's strong against Pathfinder, um, but if Path hits a grapple, it can be really hard to hit him with any sort of tactical. And that definitely includes the definitely infamous Revenant Silence that will just drop Pathfinder out of the sky if it ever happens. Still haven't seen it. Still haven't seen it since the introduction. <laughs> Not sure if it's really true, but uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye out. Um, and then, of course, teleporting uh, legends like Wraith or Loba, they can get out of an Arc Snare, but all of these things require these legends to use a tactical. So it's kind of a, a balanced trade, if you will, tactical for a tactical. This is definitely a disruptive ability if hit. Yeah. And, and those, I think those Valk and Octane's key, those are high picked legends, popular mobility legends, and you have a direct counter to their mobility. And it's one of those ones where when you get hit by this as one of those legends, you're just not used to being in that environment and you'll get mm -hmm. stuck. And that's an opportunity for an easy kill. Yeah. When you get stuck, you get scared. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you're trying to maximize or master this tactical, it really does come down to the travel speed. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really what poses a challenge. Bangalore smokes in a launcher, you know, fuses tacticals in a launcher, Revenants mm -hmm. is almost in a launcher. This one is not really like that. It's much more slow. Um, and so that's, of course, a challenge. But if you use it like an arc star, which it's an arc snare with an arc star. So if mm -hmm. you couple those two together, um, if the snare is sprung, you're going to have a very, very powerful strategy. So yes. coupling these two together as Ash and her team is going to mm -hmm. be a really big win, more so than I think Fuse, Bangalore, Revenant. This can be a serious game changer. I think about it like a Horizon Ultimate. You know, like you have an area of effect on someone, so you can combo it with nades and other people's abilities to be pretty detrimental to them. If you hit someone with a snare and the caustic ult happens to spring on them and the rest of their team, that's going to suck. That's going to be really, really hard. And it's a lot easier to shoot a horizon ult just to cancel it. You know, you can't really have that option with the arc snare. Much smaller window to execute something like that, which is part of the difficulty. Uh, playing with her as part of your team but the ceiling and potential is there yeah i think that you can you start taking away movement you slow people and you're on a path for power you know and that's definitely you gotta you gotta stay focused on but the question 
you know, we talk about Fuse and Rev and Bangalore. I think all their tacticals are pretty versatile. And mm -hmm. a question then for Ash is, is the arc snare offensive or defensive? Does it blur the line in any way? Mm -hmm. Our thoughts early on is that offense is Ash's strength. And it is kind of as it is. It's that speed that the tactical mm -hmm. is, is kind of limits it. And the cost and cooldown is pretty brutal. So if you think about having seven seconds of defense on a door or a corner, that's the duration the tactical can kind of be active as a trap. Mm -hmm. That's not a whole lot of bang for your buck when you're talking about a single charge that's on a 25 mm -hmm. second cooldown. Mm -hmm. Because of that, it should really be used as an offensive ability. Caustic traps are going to definitely remain that kind of slowing trap that can be yeah. used on doors and corners. I don't think that Ash is as flexible maybe in that regard as Caustic is at being kind of on the fence, offense, defense, yeah. being able to be fluid between the two. Yeah, I was I was pretty lucky. Like I had a theoretically defensive play with her where someone came inside as I was running away, I turned around and was able to hit them with the snare. But it's not defense in that like now all of a sudden I'm locked down and safe. Like if you threw a couple traps down, I have yeah. to use it as an opportunity to try and escape still. Like I have mm -hmm. to run away from it after executing on that. So it's more of like a like even if you're, I'm, the wording is weird here, but even if you're using it defensively, you're still using it to move and get out of there. And so it's not this like hold down an area like we even see a revenant silence being at times. Yeah, I was just about to say that. The, the revenant silence <laughs> is definitely more effective at being mm -hmm. able to hold down those close quarter situations. Ashes is just, even though it does take away your movement, it does stun you, it does pin mm -hmm. you down to an area, it isn't that scary. Something that we may see in the future is pulling down the cooldown, maybe adding a second charge. But in this state, this is a powerful offensive ability that you have to be very precise with. You're nailing mm -hmm. it. Totally. But overall, little bit of tips. Limited speed, again, makes this more of an ability that's powerful indoors due to the fact that enemies will have less room to operate and avoid the snare. So kind mm -hmm. of keep them in a vacuum, keep them in the pipe. Yep. Um, it's not best used as an initiation tool in the head of a fight, but rather when someone is looking to escape or you want to lock someone down that you are pushing. And that's just where the ultimate power is. If you're able to do 50 damage or maybe crack shields, if you're able to mm -hmm. pin down somebody who's already kind of stunned or they're, they're, on they're the starting to foot. heal. Mm -hmm. They're on the back foot. You can just put this final nail in the coffin with this tactical and finish out that one mm -hmm. or turn the entire fight to your advantage. I, I remember saying like Seer was like a really good legend for this, like for finishing someone that you've already hit in part because it stunned and flashed at the time, but also canceled the heal. I think this does that in a very similar fashion just without the healing. But without the healing, you also have someone pretty much locked in place. So that's a nice little bonus you get on the side instead. <laughs> yeah. Ultimate time, you ready? Let's do it. Okay, we got phase breach here. So you tear open a one-way portal to a targeted location, 120 second cooldown, create a phase tear that takes up 
uh, that takes players up to approximately 63 meters in a targeted direction. Uh, Ash immediately enters it upon activation. So it's not like a slice. Okay, now let's all go through and last 15 seconds. Uh, This ultimate is a really cool combo of like kind of the team mobility of a Wraith portal, the placement style of a Loba bracelet, the cooldown of a Pathfinder zipline. It it pulls a lot of elements from existing legends into one, taking pros and cons and doing so. Uh, But the catch with all this is that it's difficult. It's hard to use. It takes some of those negatives. And because of that, it's it's not the easiest ability. In terms of placement tips and just kind of some tips for using this ability to the best you can high ground is really nice it does have this like tough to place ui sometimes to see exactly how far you're going so having the visibility of being up high to full send is very nice you're going to be much more precise when you're up high versus trying to go uphill or on a even a level playing field with this ability Uh, there is some vertical potential in this we tested it out it is probably goes a bit higher than Loba's bracelet and obviously you're bringing the entire team so it's not like a straight up and down pathfinder zipline kind of verticality but you definitely do get verticality out of this uh really important though ping that your ultimate is ready when you're going to use this maybe even move to your teammates first instead of leading ahead there's no reason to rush into a 1v3 with this ability and in that same sense timing is kind of the key for understanding how to get the most out of this ult like we said, going in alone is not a great idea. And so make sure you're using this ability with your team or you can be powerful and using it to chase down a solo, chase down someone that's, we talk about, hey, if you're fighting a 3v3 and a teammate gets separated from the pack and you guys hit him a little bit, this is an incredible ability at immediately teleporting just yourself there, maybe your teammates with you and just finishing them and wiping them out instantaneously. You could even throw the arc snare on them if you really wanted to combo them together and uh, have someone have a bad day. And that that's brutal, I will say. And then the other big tip before we get into some fun stuff is there is no delay or weapon freeze after coming out of this ult. But make sure you have your weapon up before you activate the ultimate because there's no pause between activating the ult and going anywhere. I have twice now, just in the day of first day of playing, absolutely scuffed a game for my team because I full sent on one person who was weak, but because I didn't have my gun up and then I had to pull it up or I came out meleeing because I thought I was shooting, just instantaneously died. And that's going to be a brutal L. It, it hurts. Um, let's talk about Rev, the Rev combo. Can you take it twice with Rev's ult? Yes, you can. So if you enter death protection and then activate phase breach and are sent back before 15 seconds, you can phase back through. It's an interesting, interesting combo. Let's talk about that for a second, because I know that was what people were freaking out about at first. Do you think this rev ult ash combo with your team is going to be a meta or something we see executed quite often in theory? I think given how ash is released. It is Mm -hmm. certainly a tempting option in order to maximize her kit. The range of this ultimate Mm -hmm. is very, very limited. You are not using this to make haste, get away from the ring. You're using this as an offensive ability to make a tactical advance really, really Mm -hmm. quickly. That is a hard 
call to make. Really, mm-hmm. really difficult. And I think that the UI overall limits the ability to be super, super confident in that. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think about a fuse ultimate kind of the neon green circle. Yeah. That's pretty clear. This is not this. Like this is a dark small circle that you're placing out into a complex, vibrant world. It's Mm -hmm. really tough to really nail it. But Rev gives you a little bit more flexibility. As with any legend, any kit, that's Mm -hmm. what Rev allows, that little bit of a second chance, the death protection. And so is it going to completely take over the game? No, I don't think it is. Just because Mm -hmm. Ash's ultimate is so hard to use. But is it a viable attempt at maximizing her offensive abilities? Yeah, I, I do think that it's worth doing, but the team coordination is a high price to pay in order to unlock a legend's potential. The team coordination is a high price. The fact that it is a one-way portal means you're going in and you're not coming out. So if you go in at the wrong time, you're throwing the game for your team, and that's a risk that's going to happen as an Ash player and one that you need to understand how to time this ult to close in on people that are already weak, close in on people that are isolated to get the most out of it and understanding how fast it is. Because if you can understand those timings that I just mentioned, you're going to be able to kill people at really long distances very fast. It's going to feel quite oppressive at times when you are in a fight with someone. Maybe you know it's an Ash, but maybe you don't know the exact legend. You take 65 damage off maybe like a nice little i don't even know what gun does 65 damage i should have said like 71 and said like uh sentinel or something like that bad example but then you take this chunk of damage then you go behind cover to heal and all of a sudden there's at least one character on top of you it's kind of over and that's going to hurt at times and so being able to maximize those situations is key and because of the cooldown it's pretty short so don't be afraid to just use this thing like it is very powerful and a great combo with the tactical. Any other thoughts on the ult before we uh, keep going here? I think it is the most risky ability in the game at this oh, point. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It is very, very risky, even more so, I think, than a Pathfinder grapple. Um, and so weighing that against the reward is important. And if you're going to pick up Ash as a main, um, but the speed is there. Yeah. And that is really speed. what counts. And so playing into that is really important. And similar to maximizing a Revenant ultimate, you have yeah. to play tight, really, yes. really tight. And a lot of times when we think about offensive legends or an offensive play style, we mm-hmm. think about people that are kind of fragmented, that they're taking angles yeah. where they can, they're maximizing every opportunity. Honestly, the ultimate is where Ash's kit is. That is the bread and butter. That's Mm -hmm. why she is here is for the phase breach. You got to play tight. You have to be together because that's how you're going to unlock. There's no second, you know, chance like a revel. So coupling it is not a bad idea, but you can't always do that. So understanding the value is important. Yeah. Like coupling is very hard. There is a very limited time period in which you will be able to go back in and fight a second time. Octane pad's there forever. Wraith is there for 60 seconds. Your Ash ult is going to be there for 15 seconds. So mm-hmm. you need to be on top of each other in sync. And then even when perfectly executed, all it takes is a team to maybe decide, oh, hey, we're not going to shoot. We're going to 
back up, run away, and draw it out even longer. You're not going to have the follow-up, and that's going to be painful, and then they'll get away free. So It's really risky. Really, risky. really risky. Before we get into Ash versus Wraith, here's a little word from our sponsors. Welcome back. Let's do it. Let's do it. ACEU said it. He said, Ash is going to destroy Wraith. Let's compare the two and see where we think they sit versus one another. Yeah, this is kind of the battle of the titans, honestly. The the queen of Apex Legends, Wraith versus Ash, who is the long-awaited champion, who is a former Apex Predator, cemented mm-hmm. into the lore of the game. This is a heavyweight title right here. It is really who's going to come out on top and is there room for both of them? Honestly, both got some pilot experience, you know. It's true. They have They're so going many up. similarities here. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's do a little bit of a breakdown of kind of that ultimate because that's mm-hmm. where they share the most similarity. So Ash on the cooldown is sitting at 120 seconds. Mm-hmm. Wraith, on the other hand, is 210 seconds. So 1.75 times longer on the cooldown. Definitely give the edge to Ash in terms of being able to use the ultimate more uh liberally and applying it in more mm-hmm. situations but wraith kind of that more expensive option now does it really stack up to that and in that case can wraith pull out the edge because it's more valuable you know in terms mm-hmm. of the cooldown time look at the distance so the max distance that you can use an ash uh, phase breach is 62 and a half meters compared to wraith who maxes out at 75 meters this is an interesting stat to look at because both of these abilities, you may not be maxing out all the time. You know, Wraith, a lot of times, will just do a quick portal to get around mm-hmm. a corner or to pull out an, a teammate that needs a res or to do a quick phase around a building, up two stories, up and down, all these sorts of crazy patterns. You're not going to use the full 75 meters. So, distance is something that is nice for a capability standpoint, but isn't really a deciding factor. And truth be told, they're both about the same. So you have really similar distances. Now duration is where we start to separate the pack a little bit. Ash's portal will stay open for 15 seconds. Wraith's will stay open for 60 seconds. Huge, huge gap. And this is mm-hmm. where we kind of come back to the value. You know, Wraiths is a little more expensive in terms of cooldown. You get it for a lot longer. You have a Mm -hmm. lot more window of opportunity to actually use the ultimate. Now, what about the placement of these ultimates? They could not be any different, honestly. This is Mm -hmm. where they're probably the most different in terms of the use case, um, because that's really what it's all going to come down to. Both abilities can move the whole team. They have about the same distance. Duration and cooldown, you know, it matters. I won't completely ignore it, but how do you use it? How long does it take? How mm-hmm. difficult is it to use is really what it comes down to in a game of this pace. Now, Ash can place her phase breach uh, just by placing it from a fixed location. Point and shoot. Boom. Mm-hmm. You slice Done. the air mm-hmm. and you're in. No muss, no fuss. Wraith, it's a little bit more surgical. You're going to have to get your hands dirty a little bit. You're going to be running and then couple with the tactical, of course. Can't overlook that. You will have the four seconds of invincibility with uh, using the tactical. 
but you do have to manually place Wraith's portal. Mm -hmm. That's a double-edged sword, much like Ash's sword. Um, <laughs> You're going off right now with the little know, funds. <laughs> Wraith can put it wherever she wants and can yeah. be very uh, nimble in where she can place this exact portal for her team at the right moment, but mm -hmm. it does take time for her to do so. And that leaves her team potentially on their own. You know, the Wraith's going off, set at an amazing portal. Well, that's great. We just got revtained and the Wraith's gone. Mm -hmm. Ash, that's not going to happen as often because she's able to stay with her team in a perfect world based off of that placement the teammates speed. teammates are good. And if the teammates are with, with her, Ash, you know? yeah. <laughs> and that's, you know, both ways. I think that it's important for teammates to stay close to the Ash, especially in kind of opportune moments, mm -hmm. but also- like we said when we broke down the ultimate, Ash, Ash needs, can kill herself. Yeah. Like, she needs to have her head on straight, as mm -hmm. does Wraith in abandoning the team with the tactical. But Ash Wraith, you have the time. Exactly. Wraith, you have the time to recognize when something's gone wrong. So it is a total double edged sword both ways in terms of the good and the bad of having the extra time. Mm -hmm. and, and finally, the use of the portals or breaches. Ash, one way. Wraith a two-way. This is big because Wraith has the luxury of saying, don't take the portal. Ash is figuring that out the hard way by taking the portal instantaneously. <laughs> there is no opportunity for her to identify, oh, I didn't place it right. Boom. Mm -hmm. Ash is in trouble with no way to come back. You have to follow her through, essentially. If yeah. you don't follow her through, You've essentially lost the game, or mm -hmm. you're just taking the L and saying, we're ratting the rest of the game. So which one do you think is better? It's tough. I think mm -hmm. that it is tough. It's quite the fight. Really, what I look at is the application of each portal or mm -hmm. breach. Wraith, you have that careful placement. You have the vertical flexibility of the mobility. Being able to go up and down buildings is unique. Mm -hmm. It does take time to deploy. About 10 seconds being away from your squad mates is a serious price to pay, but having the two-way allows it to be so much more versatile. Offensively, yeah. defensively, you're able to help get teammates to safety, you're able to retreat, you're able to attack, you're able to go up and down. That That's big, so you can't ignore that. Ash, on the other hand, may still be maybe even more viable because of the speed. Fast placement, that Horizontal mobility only is a little bit of a slight, but mm -hmm. it also, the speed of it keeps the team together. And that's pretty key. You know, Wraith mm -hmm. goes off for 10 seconds and then may or may not trigger it in a good spot. Team gets separated. Ash is able to, with that speed and instant deployment, make that breach happen, keep the teammates together. And that, if you ask me, is always a strength. Any legend mm -hmm. that inspires the team to be closer is going to be good. Um, but you couple that with a shorter duration and shorter cooldown, you're kind of at a stalemate, I think. Yeah. What do you think? I, I think that's a good word, like a stalemate. I think there are serious pros and cons with both of them to the point that it's going to be almost like the original Seer Tactical versus the Bloodhound Tactical and that like, oh, there's moments I wish I had this and there's moments I wish I had this one. And that's great. That means there's awesome use cases for both of them. It's just going to come down to what do you value? Do you value the flexibility 
or do you value the speed and aggressiveness? Maybe it comes down to ranked versus pubs. I'm not sure. I'm really interested to see in how that kind of arises. I think Wraith is, she's the top dog for a reason. Like she has the quote unquote, get out of jail free card. And the fact that Ash has nothing like that, that there's no forgiveness. I would lean towards Wraith still staying pretty dang dominant, but I do see like a reason for the comparison and I see a reason for them to maybe interact not only together, but also separately in different ways. Yeah. Being able to instantly jump on a location or an enemy is really, really strong. You have to like give that respect to Ash, but the fact that it's such a gamble and its Mm -hmm. application is so nuanced where pretty much have to be at high ground. You have to have clear visibility. You have to hit shots already. There's no like pre-placing a portal like Wraith. It's such a niche application and a gamble at that, that you almost have to give the win to Wraith by default, just because you can do more with Wraith, even though it might be less flashy. Being able to have that flexibility is really key in this game. In a BR where there is so much variables, so many variables, it's hard to have a legend that that doesn't have kind of counters to that in multitudes of different ways. And that can be somewhat of the challenge. So we're talking a ton about Ash versus Wraith. And I think the question becomes, where does she fit? Because she was obviously designed with Wraith in mind. They both have that portal. They possess different play styles, though. Um, I could see a lot of Wraith mains being attracted to Ash because of that. A more aggressive Wraith. That sounds really fun for a lot of players, I think. Fasting Bortle, Offensive Stun. You know, it, it's interesting. It's a very interesting thing. Our ideal team comp currently is Gibraltar, Octane, Bloodhound. So if you look at that, where would she fit in? Because we talked about earlier how, well, she's obviously not going to place Gibraltar, totally different play styles. Does she replace the Bloodhound? Probably not because we really value the beacon and she doesn't have that. As much as she has some intel, she's not fully replacing the intel legend. So then she is competing with this mobility legend of Octane. And I think the portal versus the pad is a very interesting comparison. We talk about how difficult the portal is. The pad is easy in every way, shape, and form. And so just comparing those two, you probably lean towards the Octane pad. The question then becomes, does the arc snare and the passive outweigh the solo kind of abilities of octane and maybe there is an argument for that i could definitely see that being the case for some teams it just probably does come down to how much do you trust your ash and how good of a player is your ash because she's going to be a difficult legend to use and one that if you're playing her and asking your team to trust you that's big like you're gonna have to put a lot of trust in your ash it's really big it's already hard to get your team to trust you to use a death totem yeah, you know, mm-hmm. to a free trust life. them to take a blind portal right into the enemy is bold and is, mm-hmm. if you ask me, nearly impossible. If you're queuing with randoms, like totally. it is just such a crazy thing to ask anybody that it probably won't happen. Mm-hmm. But when you ask, you know, okay, can she maybe squeeze in and replace Octane? And what you're saying by that is, can you replace the Octane Launchpad? Mm-hmm. Said it before, say it again. Octane's ultimate is the most powerful in the game. No question. Mm -hmm. If we had a legend that came in and replaced that, the game would be on fire. Honestly, like that is not a goal that we should have is one upping the launch pad. 
The fact that Octane is also one way is, I think, why the comparison comes for a lot of people. Um, but the verticality that the pad offers, that's just what makes it not even comparable, I think, to the Ash Ult because verticality yeah. is just so important in Apex Legends. And you can even get some, you probably get more distance on the Octane pad as well. So I think it's it's a tough comparison for those two to make if we're trying to have her replace that one. The Ashes out there, I think, do fight for that Wraith placement because you have that mm -hmm. invincibility while you're in the phase. You know, you, you have that safety that the Octane Launchpad doesn't quite provide. But mm -hmm. I think that there's a secondary team comp that we've been finding a lot of success with and is honestly, I think, quite good. And that's for more passive play, maybe for ranked, maybe just kind of wanting to be a little bit less, you know, crazy and mm -hmm, aggressive mm -hmm. is Loba, Valkyrie, and Gibraltar. Yeah. In that sense, I think Ash could actually replace the king and take Gibraltar's spot on that team comp. I mean, that's just a different play style, like in general. Very. And that's probably like you look at those three together, a Valk, an Ash, and a Loba, and I think that chalks up to be of an effective playstyle. So maybe he does replace or she does replace the king himself. It would be tough though. I think the relationship between Valk and Ash could be one that is a lot of power potential to unlock. Mm -hmm. If you have the long range scouting of Ash being able to mm -hmm. identify where death boxes are, yeah. strictly that, and then you couple that with the Valk ultimate in order to get you to that fight or get you to that free POI, then you maybe even couple in Loba to loot it quite quickly. You have a really good kind of long range rotational team comp that mm -hmm. isn't super dependent on taking the diversion to go to a survey beacon. Yes, Ash doesn't have the ability to have a survey beacon, but in many ways, she does have important intelligence as mm -hmm. to where is safe or where do you want to go and gives you the choice. I mean, thinking about it in my head, I, I, I could even see though that Ash could replace the Loba in this comp, especially because mm -hmm. like, um, the Ash ult combos quite well with Gibraltar's bubble. You're not okay. safe on the other side. That bubble's the only thing that keeps you safe. And you have all these mobility tools. And, you know, we talk about like what legends is Ash going to pull from? Loba kind of being one of them, and that they have a similar use with that bracelet versus ult. I wonder if that means you need both of them on the same team. If you can get Ash's ult to essentially function in a similar form to the tactical, is there a redundancy there if those two are on the team together? I think is interesting. There are some differences, obviously. There should be differences between these legends. Yeah. Um, some of the other legends though, that we've talked about, like Wraith, Octane, Pathfinder, these are kind of the ones we've compared her to in terms of just team mobility or how someone moves loba moving through the air pathfinder moving through the air in kind of quick fast ways we've did a lot of a comparison between loba and ash you want to walk people through that real quick yeah i think they are quite similar we played with them together and even yeah. though there is a little bit of that redundancy it's kind of nice to come at somebody from two angles you know using ash's ultimate to get two into the fight and then loba kind of on the flank at about the same speed is quite good but the breakdown and kind of the bracelet versus the phase breach mm -hmm. is loba's bracelet slightly less range slightly slower mm -hmm. slower to draw your weapon after you complete the teleport 
and with less vertical mobility. And of course, there's no team mobility involved. So even though Loba's is worse in every single way, it's only marginal. And yeah. they can kind of play together, I think. I don't think that one completely, I don't think Ash completely overshadows yeah. Loba's mobility totally. ability. Totally, totally. But I think that if we're asking the question where Ash pulls from, and we're saying things like Wraith, Octane, Pathfinder, mm-hmm. that's a really great pool to pull yeah. from. You know, a lot of players. <laughs> Tell me where Fuse is pulling from. You know, tell me where Rampart is pulling from. Tell me where that's Crypto the problem is with those from. legends. That is their problem. Yeah. The play style that those legends provide is not one that anybody is trying to do. You know, that's why Ash is so exciting. Like, if you can have a new legend that is a sidestep from one, like Seer was to Bloodhound, mm-hmm. you're off to a good start in terms of refining a new diverse kit that's going to be fun to play and mm-hmm. fit in Apex. Well, let's, uh, we're, we're going long today to say the least on mastering Ash. So we're keeping it rolling, but let's, uh, let's rock through arenas real quick. Why don't you uh, take the lead on some of this arena stuff? Well, we think that Ash may actually shine in arenas. She's really a gambler, a lot of risk. It's definitely Mm -hmm. big punches and rolling the dice, but her breakdown in arenas is as follows. Tactical cost is 200, quite pricey. Ultimate cost, only 300 And then you have a cooldown of one round between when you can use it and not. Mm-hmm. Even though her passive is completely irrelevant in arenas, just like Pathfinder, maybe Bloodhounds, Dang it. Ash may still have the ability to make a major impact on arenas. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really comes down to that ultimate. With a pushing ability, that is faster than Octane's jump pad and as easy to deploy as Loba's bracelet for the entire team, if you secure the first knock, Ash's team will win if she has her ultimate. Mm-hmm. It's not quite as cut and dry as that, but it also is in theory. You know, it's If powerful. you are playing into mm-hmm. her strengths, if you're mastering Ash and you're using her in arenas at her peak, it's game over if she has mm-hmm. her ultimate just because of the speed and precision that it offers. Yeah. But then you add the tactical on top of that. Um, you know, it's highly skilled to actually pull off, but this is a 1v1 dominant ability mm-hmm. that Ash certainly provides offense and mobility with her kit, more so than any other legend. Yeah. Valk comes close with her offensive tactical and then mobility kit and the passive, but the speed of Ash is quite a challenge to that title that Valk kind of currently holds. And I think that that 1v1 ability with the tactical is really what separates those Wraith players Mm -hmm. from the Ash players. Being able to have a tool on your belt that can help you win your one that isn't just a retreat. It's, it's offense big, versus defense. It's it big. is. It's something yeah. that's a big incentive. I mean, that ult is one of high risk, and we talk about that a ton earlier. Less risk in arenas. You get to respawn. You know? mm-hmm. If you mess up, you got yeah. another chance. So there is power just in that sense with Ash. So she's definitely one we're keeping our eyes on for arenas. In terms of team comp, talking BR specifically, we got a couple ideas to throw past you. So the offensive only comp destroy 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 ash rev combo give it a shot and throw in the bloodhound 
obviously you got bloodhound identifying opportunities those stragglers those separated people and then this this massive chase down speed is going to cause absolute chaos for teams and if you can pull off the rev totem you're going to be able to cause chaos in 3v3s as well we got the stun combo ash horizon crypto i'll quit if this team rolls up on me and pulls it off effectively, but if I get hit by uh, arcs or an arc snare and the horizon uh, black hole all while getting crypto ulted, my goodness. But you can use a lot of these to zone, remove people from their teams and isolate enemies. You're a bit slower than the previously mentioned team, but Ash is what gives you the speed and horizon then gives you some of that verticality as well. So this is a really nice team comp. And then we got the hybrid comp, the one we kind of mentioned earlier. Where does she fit? Ash, Gibraltar, Octane. This is flexibility, flexibility, flexibility. You got pads to attack verticality. You got the ultimate of Ash to attack in a straight line incredibly quickly. You're just getting all these different angles to push from. And then you got Gibraltar coming in clutch, as always, saving the day, helping out his brothers, and pulling out that bubble, the bombardments for those retreats. It's going to be a great combo right there uh, it's it's probably my early favorite but i think all three of these are good ones to at least experiment if you got a group of three and hopefully you're all listening to this podcast right now yeah for sure i think that these ideas are our best bet at maximizing ash's kit you know we talked mm-hmm. a little bit about valk all of these things it's all it's honestly when you're putting together a team for ash it's kind of about mitigating the risk just yeah. because ash is such a liability you know we're here to celebrate and to master ash but honestly reining in her kind of rage is kind of tough because her kit really wants you to explode at your enemies and put it all on the line and so throwing in somebody like octane who can provide a little bit safer or flexible mobility and then gibraltar is kind of a good bet i do mm-hmm. like the the stunner kit uh, of the horizon ash and crypto yeah. i think you could really just suck away all the movement mm-hmm. and just put people on their knees mm-hmm. well how to master ash overall quick little wrap-up words i'm gonna say speed 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 and intelligence you got to combine those two to master Ash, know when and how to attack. But when you do so, you're committing hard and you're committing fast. So make sure you're fully committed and make sure you're leading your team in terms of explaining knowledge and where to go. You got to be really communicative to be a top tier Ash right now. Big facts. Very true. Let's wrap it up with some five-star questions. First question coming from MDM. You guys are awesome and have helped me a lot in growing my Apex Legends skills. I have played since the release of this game and so far have 1.9k games in. I have roughly 700 total lifetime kills. 300 of those kills were this season with Revenant when I decided to take things seriously. I fell in love with the game and you guys make my addiction crazier. Question, how do you guys get better with accuracy using the firing range? I get it. Everyone says go there and go through the gun and shoot the targets. But when you're missing, how do you fix that? Thanks so much for an awesome show. Thank you. Really good great question. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks for the review and the great question. Um, I'm of the mind that I don't spend a whole lot of time in the firing range trying to refine my accuracy. I think mm-hmm. you learn the most from getting the reps in, using the guns in the actual environment of the BR, but also arenas. I think that arenas is yep. the best way to actually learn weapons, learn applications of recoils, things like that. Um, the biggest thing that I think you can use the firing range for is practicing your strafing. 
mm-hmm. and your spam crouching while yeah. shooting. You know, if you can master those kind of niche movement shooting components or mechanics, that's going to be better. So if you can get it so that you're not missing your entire clip, I think you've done what you need to do in the firing range. Firing range will let you understand what the recoil is of a gun to control it. Shoot it into mm-hmm. a wall, see what the pattern is. I personally, for me, think that helps me understand how to actually be accurate with the weapon. But yes, hitting moving targets in the arenas is my specific number one way to practice aim. You'll get the most reps in quickly doing that. So definitely that's my advice for improving accuracy nowadays. Next question coming from Doc. What's your opinion on the car's ammo switcher? Yeah, love it. Oof. We kind of talked about it on the uh, we talked about it on the car SMG breakdown on Saturday. Go back and listen if you haven't. But we're in love with this flexibility is king in this game. Versatility is king. We love it. And uh, Henry's already been totally loving being able to switch back and forth between light and heavy to give the teammates whatever ammo they need at the time. It's huge, big deal. Mm-hmm. Coming from Bic Corey. I currently main Lifeline and I have over 5,000 kills with her over the last two seasons. I've noticed that I've gotten more aggressive in my playstyle. Do you guys have a suggestion for of a second character I should make myself familiar with? Or am I good where I'm at currently? All right, Oof, good question. That's a good one. Um, that's a good Lifeline one. Lifeline is so unique, but I'll give two. Okay. First, if you're used to Lifeline, mm-hmm. I think Gibraltar is better. So I think you might want to commit to Gibraltar just because he does give you so much more offensive capabilities from Lifeline. Mm-hmm. But if by aggressive in your playstyle you mean mobility, I think Bangalore is a really, really strong legend to go for just because mm-hmm. of the flexibility of going in and out of fights, supporting teammates by concealing them in smoke or blinding enemies with smoke. Yep. There's a lot of kind of similarities on how you pace out the kit of Lifeline versus Bangalore, but then you get double time as a passive and Mm -hmm. you're just loving life. So that's what I would say. Uh, Those two are great. I'll throw in Loba as a, you're obviously used to supporting the team as Lifeline with loot and with resing. You're obviously missing out on the resing with Loba to the same extent. But you're replacing that with a incredibly robust loot support, and then you are getting the bracelet, which is going to give you some aggressive mobility and some escapability if you find yourself overextended, which you don't get with Lifeline currently. But that's going to wrap up the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you to producers of the third party 10 who supports us as a patron. Subscribe and Apple Pods or follow on Spotify. Leave a five-star review with your question. We'll answer on our next episode. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Third Party Pod and check out the Discord via the link in the description. Thank you so much for listening to the Third Party Podcast. We will catch you next time. Peace. Hey now, another squad coming in. Boom, whole squad down. Hey, brother, not today. Maybe tomorrow.